We need to tear down anything or anyone that becomes first priority in our lives other than God. In other words, if I have allowed someone or something such as a job, my children, or material things to be regarded as more important than the creator of those things, then I need to tear down some things in my life. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside him. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of his rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Notice again, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him. Notice Gideon's instructions. Very specific. Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. Now, notice he didn't tell him to get anybody's bull. He told him to get his father's bull. You know, if somebody was to come and get your stuff, it might be on. Especially your own child. Don't even ask you for permission. Just go and get it. You don't realize that the Lord told him to go get it, but he goes and get the bull. And notice the Lord's instruction. Tear down the altar of Baal. That your father knows not anybody's father, but your father has. And cut down the wooden image that is beside it. And then after you tear it down, this is what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God. On top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Notice his instruction. Tear down one. Go to your father. Not, not in anybody's house, but your father's house. The one that you were raised up under. Your father. And tear down that altar. Then I want you to put another altar in there. I want you to put one, one, an altar to me. And those get his, Gideon's reaction in verse 27. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants. Evidently, Gideon had some type of leadership role because he took, his, he took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. Wow. He didn't add nothing to it. He didn't take anything away from it. He did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And can you imagine? They went to bed one day looking at the altar of Baal. Wake up the next day. 
Jesus got an altar sitting right there. Mm. But there's something here that really struck out to me, and I, there's a lot in this and won't get everything, but I want to get to what I believe the Lord wants to share with you today. I want you to notice the instruction of God in this text that to me is paramount to where I believe we're going this morning. In verse 25, in the latter part, tear down the altar of Baal. Don't leave it up. Don't leave nothing of it up. In fact, when you tear something down, I want you to destroy it. Get it out of there. Then, this is what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to build an altar to me, the Lord your God, on top of this rock. Don't that sound familiar? Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Did it sound for me and anybody in the sanctuary? All right. Just want to make sure I got some Bible scholars in here. And, and then after you build it, I want you to tear that down. Then I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God. I want you to tear it down and build something better. And that is my topic for this morning. Tear down and build something better. Tear down and build something better. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word this morning. And we pray that the word of God will have free course. Father, I know we come hungry. We come thirsty for your word this morning. And I pray that the spirit of God will minister to your sheep. Feed us knowledge and understanding. And help us to take this word and apply in our everyday life. Father, thank you for every aspect of the service that you have ministered to us so far. Somebody have already gotten the word so far, God. Just knowing that you're great and that you're almighty God, Father. And thank you, Father, for loving us enough to share your word and your promises with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. amen. Our message top of the day is one that requires action. If we're to look at two separate uh, phrases or phases, we see that we're instructed to do two things that will require focus, perseverance, Time, energy, and such like. Tear down and build something better. Not just build anything, but build something better. To tear down means I'm breaking up or pulling down something with a goal of destroying it. Tear down is synonymous with dismantling or to level it to a point that is flat on the ground and there's no residue left of what you tore down. We know that we can physically tear down houses, buildings, and such like in the natural. We can also tear down people if we ain't careful. In the natural with our tongue. Our tongue by putting them down, degrading them, and criticizing them. I don't see that as a good thing, but yet there are times where you're going to need to tear down mindsets, uh, traditions that are ungodly, unhealthy relationships, tear things down. We need to tear down anything or anyone that becomes first priority in our lives other than God. In other words, if I have allowed someone or something such as a job, 
my children or material things to be regarded as more important than the creator of those things, then I need to tear down some things in my life. Anything that, and I was thinking about this, I think, last night or, or this morning, that anything in your life that you created and then you worship something you create, that's a problem. That's a problem. If you created or a man created a car, why are you worshiping a car that man created? Don't you know sooner or later that thing going to rust out? And then one day you, you're worshiping, one day going to tear up on you. You're about ready to. I got the real folks in here and broke down before. <laughs> before break down, boy, you're ready to throw that car in. Well, you know. Anyway. So we don't worship those things. It usually starts in our mind, with our attitude, with our inward desire for something or someone. Simply put, Lord, I repent. I change the way I think, talk, and respond when it comes to those things that I worship in my mind. I pray for power from you to help me, to keep me, and strengthen me to keep you as my top priority. I want you to be my top priority, Jesus. I want to seek you first. I want to keep you first in my heart and in my mind and in my thinking. In my opinion, it's a danger to allow people and things and statues in, in life to become more important than God. And I've been guilty of this. I can't get mad with nobody when they say, you know what? And, and a lot of times, you don't even realize you don't put something in your life before God. It just happened. You, next thing you know, you got a job before God. Next thing you know, you got a person before, before God. Next thing you know, you got something before God. And as soon as they make you mad or disappoint you, upset you, and it's like a wake-up call, why is this upsetting me so much? You know, this should not be upsetting me like this, but you realize it's gotten a place that it shouldn't be in. We can see in scripture how God is serious about not having any other gods before him. We see in scripture how he identifies himself as a jealous God. We also see how adamant that he is about us tearing down anything that we have set up as bigger, greater, or stronger, or more powerful than him. And when in reality, nothing is more powerful than God. Nothing is more stronger than God. Nothing is better than God. Nothing is better than God. That's why he always is warning us in the, in the word of God against dangers or problems against putting other things before God. Let's look at a few scriptures to get this in mind. Exodus 34 and verse 14. The book of Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14, which reads as follows. For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. For you shall worship, you don't bow down, you don't reverence no other gods for the Lord, for, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming, a consuming fire, a jealous God. So Deuteronomy 4 and 24 lets us know, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Let's also look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 through 5. You should have no other gods before me. Indicating you can have other gods that come before him. 
He tells you don't have other gods or godlike people or things before him. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So you don't make or produce or prepare or anything that is an image of God in your life. You Got to be careful when you have statues that represent, quote unquote, God in your mind. People end up worshiping statues more than they worship the one who created the statue. They'll start worshiping images and idols that they see on earth. And this is why God is so adamant about you not putting even an image of God in your mind. See, man has never seen God, so you can't be worshiping uh, something that you think represents God because you start, the enemy will play with your mind and you'll start praying to something that don't even exist so to speak but it exists in your mind it exists so don't make or produce anything that is of God now Matthew 6 and 24 Matthew 6 and 24 no one can serve serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and Mammon. You can't submit yourself to mammon or yield yourself or serve mammon. You got to either serve God or mammon. So we serve God and we don't serve mammon. In fact, money serves us, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Hallelujah. So as we are tearing down things in us, we must continue to work and to build something better, that which is solid, that which is proven, and that which is eternal, strong, and true. And to build something better suggests I'm establishing, constructing, and putting something together with the intent that it will be better than what I tore down. See, if you tear something down, you want to build something that's going to be better in your life. And see, we must know who the master builder is and allow his word to build us. Let's go to Psalms 127 and verse 1. Psalms 127 and verse 1. The Bible reads as follows. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord builds or establishes or makes repairs to the house, they labor in vain. But I like the fact that the Lord builds the house. Every good house is going to be built by God. And let me say this to you. He is still building as I talk to you right now. The person next to you, God is building them even as I talk to you right now. He's establishing them. He's working on them. In fact, he does a lot of remodeling around my house because I mess stuff up all the time. You think he got it up and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I need to remodel some stuff because that dog's messing up stuff again. And so he remodels my house all the time. And so I thank God for the renewing of my mind with the word of God because he got to renew some stuff. I can build stuff up and God said, no, you need to do it again in a better way. Because why? He loves me enough to rebuild me. 
Woo, thank God he loved me enough to rebuild me. Thank you for rebuilding me, God, because if you don't rebuild me, I might start trying to build my own self up. I might try to put my own net hammer and nails in. I might try to start doing my own plumbing and electricity. I ain't got no plumbing license. I ain't got no electricity license. I better let God build the house. Are y'all following me here? You got to let God build your house. You got to let God build the house. Just as God builds with his written and revealed word. That's how he builds us. He builds us with the written and revealed word of God. He is the one who can teach us how to build as well. Build others up. Build our faith. Build a place in our heart that is committed to putting Jesus first. We will see how God instructs Gideon to tear down and to build something better. But before we get there, a little background just to help us to pick up what the Holy Spirit has been teaching us these last few sessions. We've been studying the life of Gideon and how he developed him as a leader during some difficult times. Remember, Gideon's life and what we've learned is that if you're going to build a relationship with Jesus, you got to spend time with him. You got to spend time with him. I mean, I could tell you some uh, all types of things you can do, but spending time with Jesus really builds your life. And I'm not telling you that every day is going to feel wonderful. And we talked about this earlier. Some days you're going to feel like, God, where are you at? I'm praying and I don't see nothing happening. Some days you're going to feel like God is all over you, that God is just, he may, man, God, I mean, you and God are face to face. I mean, you're going to feel like that. And some days you're going to feel like God is nowhere to be found. And when he said his word, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Understand, developing your relationship with Jesus during good times and challenging times, that's what keeps us solid. That's what keeps us going. So Gideon was a judge. He was a governor, a also known as a military leader of that particular day, who delivered the children of Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And see, the children of Israel, God's people, were at the point that they were known for doing twisted and hurtful things before God. Let's go back to Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So the children of Israel did evil, that which was hurtful, that which was wicked against God's law, in the sight or in the presence of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years years. And again, I always want to make sure you understand when they did evil in the sight of God, this was God's standard that they were going by. Because some people think because that ain't that bad. If God says it's bad, it's bad. That's, that's, that's the bottom line to it. And see, the children of Israel made a constant decision to practice what was evil against God's law. We have to be careful not to get comfortable and bold to do things we know that are twisted and hurtful in the sight of God. It was seven years that the children of Israel were under the hand of Midian. And the children of Israel went through so much, they finally asked for help. We see this in Judges chapter 6 and verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Simply mean they called for help. And I love the fact that they call for help. And if you ever want help, the best person to call for help from is the Lord. How many know calling for help from God is the best thing you can ever do? 
Whoo, good God. Boy, I tell you, that could preach about 15 times right there. The children of Israel asked for help from the Lord. He being the God of grace, love, and compassion, he sent help. Help that was coming from someone who he would prepare for the task. Because he said, basically he told Gideon, you're going to be my man, but yet I got to prepare you for this particular task. And the Lord began to raise up Gideon to be their judge. And actually we're in the process of when God called Gideon before he is going over to actually deliver the hand excuse me, deliver the children of Israel from the hand of Midian. This is the process that Gideon went through. And so what makes this so powerful to me, I've often read about God calling Gideon and then God using Gideon to deliver the children of Israel, but I never have studied the process that went into it. So I I realize that every leader has a process they must go through. Every leader has a process they must go through. Gideon went through it, so I'm sure all of us are going to go through some type of process that the Lord is preparing us for. But let me say this to you. He's preparing you for something big. Glory be to God. Thank God for what he's doing, praise God, in our lives. Now, the Lord began to raise up Gideon to be their judge, and Gideon will be the one who will be the leader to deliver them out of the hand of the Midianites. And see, God has a way of preparing and producing in us what is needed for our assignment. He knows how to encourage us. He knows how to redirect us. And at times, that redirection might not be as pleasant, but God knows how how to get the children of Israel back back on path because they cried out to him. But he also knew how to encourage Gideon as well. Notice in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty and strong and brave man of valor. Now, he was telling Gideon this, but the Midianites were still holding the children of Israel in bondage when he told them that. Understand this, Midianites would be a challenge because of their name meant strife. They would have been bringing strife upon the children of Israel for nearly seven years. Seven, that's a long time to be under strife for somebody. Glory be to God. The children of Israel had a mindset of resistance and rebellion to the point that uh, that God had to deal with their wicked ways. But Gideon had to know that God was with him if he was going to deliver him. Remember now, I always remember Gideon's situation was God told him he was going to use him, but Gideon had nothing around him that looked like something that God was going to use to deliver Nothing around him, that, in my estimation, what I read in the text, nothing around Gideon looked like it was somebody that was going to uh, be, uh, use him to deliver the children of Israel. And he couldn't be fearful. He couldn't be afraid. He had, God had to deal with his heart. And the Lord not only told him, him he was going to use him, but he declared that he was brave. He was a man of wealth and ability and resources, a mighty man of valor. And this is what I love about God. 
and we find this in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. God, notice what it says in Romans 4 and 17. I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who, whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So we see in Gideon's life, he hadn't got it yet, but God called those things that be not as though they did. That's why God continues to use his written and revealed word to speak and proclaim that we are healed, that we are delivered, that we're strong, that we're mighty, that we're prayer warriors, that we're deacon, that we're faith walker, that we're Christ minded, that we're mature and so forth, even though we have not fully manifested those traits around us. I may not have all of these traits, but God has spoken these traits in my life. And so if he spoke it, I know it's going to come to pass. Why? Because his word should not return back to him void, but it's going to accomplish everything he sent it out to do. See, Gideon was probably like many of us. We hear the word, we understand the word, yet at times we'll speak what we've heard, but then we have a hard time believing it sometimes. We want a sign. God, I know I want to make sure that I am the right track. So in Judges 6 and 17, he says this, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is you who talked to me. And that's exactly what he did. And in my estimation, this was a part of God's plan to develop his relationship with Gideon. Remember in last week's message, a sign will let you know that, that or teach you how to be encouraged, uh, encouraged in the Lord, to be your confidence in God, and to establish courage and strengthen our connection with God. The sign would do that for us. And at the Gideon had received a sign, there was a Lord that talked to him. The Lord gave Gideon another assignment. Gideon was to tear down the altar of Baal and build an altar of God. Notice in Judges 6 and 25, now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal and your uh, Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside him. Baal's name means Lord. Baal was a Phoenician deity, a god or a goddess. And be honest with you, if you ever study about Baal, Baal, when they, people worship Baal, they did some really vile and wicked things. Really did. If you study that, you'll say, my God, I see why God told him not to do that. Now, one reason I believe the Lord told Gideon to tear down the altar of Baal, because the children of Israel had a pattern of leaving the Lord and serving Baal. Let me give you a few examples here. Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. So the children of Israel in Judges 2 and 11, they did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served, they were led by uh, the Baals. They labored and worked for the Baals. So in Judges 2 and 11, this is one time that they had actually uh, left God, served Baal, and God had to send a judge to deliver them. We see in Judges 2 and 13, they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asterites. They forsook him. Notice, not only did they serve him, they forsook God. They abandoned and departed, not from Baal, but from God. 
That means they were with God and then they abandoned him. Then we read over in Judges chapter 3 and verse 7. Judges chapter 3 and verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord they got and served Baals and Asherahs. So in this Judges 3 and 7, they forgot the Lord they got. They ignored and ceased to care for him. And sometimes I believe people forget about God today. They forget about him. Not, not they don't know he's here. They just ignore him. They ignore him. Notice the pattern of, of the people of the children of Israel. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forsook and abandoned the Lord. They forgot and ignored God and no longer cared for him, for the things of God that pleased him. They knew that God was there but chose not to follow his guidance. They got to the point they had chosen not to care about the precepts or the word of God. And I think that we can agree that's not a Christ-minded church. Is that right? Even today, the Holy Spirit may be saying to some of us, hey, you, you've been too busy lately. I need you to spend more time in my word. You need to be excited about coming here in my word. And some people are just nonchalant or they don't even care about the word of God. We, we need to be in a situation where God says, our checks out. We don't want to be in a situation where God is checking our attitude, our actions, and our conversations and saying, hey, when I see this, this is evil in my sight. Serving Baal was evil in the sight of the Lord. And every time Baal's name come up, you notice the evil went with it. I don't want to be a situation every time my name come up, evil come up with it. I don't want to be a situation where every time people think about me, they think about the things or the evil deeds that I do. Now, being led by Baal instead of being led by the Lord is evil in the sight of the Lord. It's important that we constantly put our actions under the scrutiny of the word of God to make sure we're being led by the spirit of God and not some other entity. John 16 and 13 tells us clearly However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that lead and guide us into all truth. We can't afford to have the mindset of thought process of ignoring God. That's a bad thing to ignore God. Neither should we get too busy or too important to care about uh, that we don't care about the things of God, especially his written and revealed word. Hosea also reminds us of the negative effect of forgetting or ignoring the Lord. Go to Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of the Lord your God, I will also forget your children. Notice that when people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, not because it was not available to them, but because they rejected it, they despised it, and they refused godly knowledge. But notice what God said I'm going to do. I'm going to also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget or ignore or cease to care for your children. Some children are messed up today because their parents have ignored God. Hosea tells us God's people who have access to God's knowledge but choose to reject or refuse it, they don't take heed to it. Sad. 
I know people today that have a good word, but they refuse it or reject it. But the Lord says this, I will also reject you and also forget or ignore your children. Boy, our children need too much help for God to forget them. Uh, and our children, just like that, I'm sure the children of the children of Israel, they need, our children need constant intervention from the Lord. I'm telling you, how many pray for their children, praise God? How many, how many you pray for other people's children, too, as well? In both cases, they only, not only did they forget the Lord, they rejected him, and they took in Baal and other gods in, the, in his place. One common trait you're going to find in Scripture and in our lives is that once something is removed, something will replace it. That is a scripture, but you got to know this. If you stop doing something, you got to replace it with something. Never take something out of your life and don't replace it. And this is a common theme in Scripture. I think about us today. There are those who have replaced our Lord with power, relationships, work, family, self, negative influences, and so forth. In today's text, the children of Israel had erected an altar of Baal to the Lord and instructed Gideon to tear it down. Looks like to me that Baal had been torn down before, according to the scripture, and then they built him back up again. Tore him down, tore it down the altar of Baal, built him back up again. Tore it down, built it back up again. But I can't get mad with the children of Israel because I've taken some stuff out of my life. Six months later, I'm doing the same thing again. Thank y'all for the four-way man. Pray for the rest of us, all right? As children of God, we must watch for the eyes that try to rear their head back up after release them from our minds. It's all sure shows just because something is gone, it'll try to come back. Boy, somebody should have said amen right there, boy. Some of y'all ain't never dated an old boyfriend. He tried to come back up, did he? Old girlfriend tried to come back up, didn't he? Hey, baby, did you miss me? <laughs> Woo! Some of y'all were the person, hey, did you miss me? <laughs> Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he will find it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Even after the demon spirit was cast out, it came back again and brought seven more. Boy, I don't want that to happen to none of us in this sanctuary. None of us. I don't want none of that to happen to a boy. That's a dangerous place to be in. That's why it's important that you replace stuff. Just don't sit there. Because no, there was a time and period they had to replace it, but they chose not to. And so it brought back seven other spirits with it. This example in scripture also shows us what happens when we do not replace what was taken from our life with God's word or God's spirit. Demon spirit was cast out of the person, but God's word and his Holy Spirit was not put in his place. And the demon being cast out, so the demon came back with seven more. It was interesting about that. When it came back, there was no resistance to him coming back. Mm. No resistance. This came back. Look, I guess the door was unlocked. They walked in the door, sat down, 
Can you imagine you go to your house right now, somebody's sitting in your house right now, drinking Kool-Aid and, and, and uh, eating up, drinking up your drink, watching TV, turn to you, say, hey, where you been? Oh, Lord. Now, you got to understand, that's how you got to treat demon spirits, though. When they gone, you got to keep them out. You got to keep them out. Got, just like, I don't want no robber coming to my house trying to eat, take my stuff. So, you got to treat them just like that. Now, Gideon was not only had to deal with tearing down the altar of Baal, but he had to deal with his family as well. He was instructed to take his father's young bull to tear down the altar, something that was probably valuable to his father and his family, tear it down, and then you see his instructions in Judges 6 and 25. Then it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. You see Gideon's instructions. Tear down the altar of Baal, destroy the raised structure of Baal, pull down the place that makes sacrifice to Baal, and use force to destroy the altar that is being built there. So you can't be gentle in tearing something down, though. Not something that's probably, no, it's probably built good, probably stood wind blowing, storms coming through. It probably stood up, but it had to come down. I wonder how much noise they made tearing it down. I thought about that one time. I said, Man, they probably made not a lot of noise tearing that thing down. But we cannot be gentle in tearing down little gods that have become more important to us than the one true God. That's Jesus Christ. In our own life, when there are places we make sacrifices of the gods, such as those, these events that take time from God, what is taking time from your life? We're supposed to be spending time with God, but here we are with another God sacrificing our time with something of limited value. We have to learn from the instruction given to tear down the bales in our life and that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down, imagine, excuse me, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we got to cast down, we got to throw down and pull down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You got to do that. You got to do that. I've got to do that. I got to tear these things down. They're not just coming down because I, no, come, we got to tear these things down. Our response is to do whatever is necessary to tear down any little God that's trying to take the place of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Having the mind of Christ will help us cast down the faults that are contrary to the word of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You got to allow or permit the mind of Christ to rule and reign in your life. So now he tells Gideon, I want you to tear it down. But in Judges 6 and 26, I want you to build up. I want you to build an altar. You torn it down. It's gone. I want you to build something now, God. One of the main points of today's text is once we tear down the bells that try to control our mind, it's imperative that we build an altar to the Lord, a sacred place, something that we value. We, so in turn, he can rule and reign in our lives. If you build an altar to God, God will come and reign in that altar. This is a place where God is sacred and first in our life. No doubt the children of Israel knew how to build an altar. They just built it to the wrong God. They built it to the wrong person. 
They knew how to make something a priority, important, first in their lives. They just had the wrong priorities at the time. It's important that we build and establish it God's way. See, again, didn't I have the lesson we have that Jesus gave us through the scriptures? And we're going to look at three biblical building blocks that will cause us to build something better. The first one is we got to allow the Lord to build our life. You got to allow the Lord to build your life. Matthew 16 and 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will build. I will establish you. I will cause you to grow in wisdom and Christian education. I will give you knowledge and understanding of my word. I will build. The church represents the people. Church represents the called out ones. He says, I will build. I'm going to, and I got to allow it to happen though. God would not force his way on my land and build on my property. You got to allow God in. If he see a no trespassing sign, he ain't coming in. Behold, I stand at the door and what? Knows this. You got to let him in. You got to let him in. And when you let him in, you got to let him build. Just don't let him in. Say, hey, you can't go nowhere but right here. Stay right here. In the, I just cleaned up. The, I didn't clean back out in the bedroom in the kitchen. I got dirty. This. No, you got to let God in all your house. No matter how dirty or nasty it is, you got to let God in all your house. I got one amen. Pray for the rest of us. I know somebody in here. You got to let God in the rest of your house. All of it. You got to let God build. Okay, I need, to, I need to tell you some stuff right here. I need to go right here. Oh, God, Lord, Lord. Woo! got some mold and mildew. Let me take all that out right here. I got some sin right here. I got some lying right here. I got some anger right here. I got some unforgiveness right here. I got to tear all this thing down. You got to let God build your house. You got to let God build. And let God build. He know how to build your house. Some of us right now probably could build naturally, but some of us can't build a lick. If you build a house, gone. (laughs) Y'all know the story. (laughs) Gone. One win, gone. You got to let God build your house. So you can stand against the walls of the enemy. When Jesus builds, we know our foundation is solid and proven. Second building block. Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Notice, having been built, constructed, assembled, Put together on the foundation, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone or the chief foundation. When we build, Jesus Christ must be the foundation. He's got to be the foundation because you, you can't handle life stress if it ain't built on Jesus. You can't handle build, raising your children right if it ain't built on Jesus. You can't handle your finances right if it's not built on Jesus. Yeah, I know you got it going on, but you remember there's a storm coming. Oh, you remember when, when they built the house, one built on sand, one built on the rock? Both of them built the house. Both of them had shutters, had a nice fence around it. Both of them had... Um, Ship black in the house. Some had blue, some had orange, whatever. They built a nice house, but you know what? The wind came. The storm came. And life, sooner or later, a storm going to come. And what's going to stand? The one built on the rock. 
Remember we talked about earlier? What did he tell him to build it on? He told him to build it on the what? Rock. When he told uh, Gideon to build an altar to the Lord, he told him to build it on the rock. And so you got to understand, you got to build your house on the rock. You got to build it on the rock. And the rock represents the word of God, the foundation. Foundation is the lowest, lowest, low-bearing part of the building based on principles of our life. A Christian foundation established by God's written and revealed word. Christian foundation is something, is God's saving power, the gift of salvation, God's deliverance, God's protection, and God's prosperity. His deliverance, the act of being rescued or made free. His protection to guard against something and prosperity to make better than before. See, God's going to prosper us. What is he going to use? The apostles and prophets. What did the apostles and the prophets bring? The word of God. Who was written about? The word of God was written by the apostles and the prophets. It was written by the apostles and the prophets. What did they write? The word of God, the written and revealed word of God. That's what we live by. Matthew chapter four, verse four. But answer said is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the last building block is remain connected to the wise teachers in my life. Remain connected to the wise teachers in my life. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine through eleven. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. You are God's building. You're the one who he promotes Christian growth in, Christian wisdom and holiness in. And according to the, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. See, Paul was a skilled master builder. He had, he was a, uh, he had the best plan for each and every one of their lives and our lives as well. And when we say he's a master better builder, he was a master architect. He was a master teacher. But what did he teach? He taught the word of God. That's what he taught. He taught the word of God. For no other foundation can anyone lay which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul understood it. if we are God's building, we're the temple of God, He's got to build us. How is he going to build us? He's going to teach us the word of God. He's going to teach us the word of God. God uses people to teach us the word of God. And when you find somebody to teach you the word of God, that person would consider a wise master builder if they're being led by the spirit of God. Paul also told him, take heed how you build. Watch how you build. Make sure you're building upon the word of God. Paul warns us not to build on those things such as gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, which will not hold up under pressure. But build on that which is firm, strong, and established. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
Anybody that can take the canonine tales, take being buried and raised up again with power in his hand, hey, I think he can handle whatever you're going through in life. I think he can handle whatever you are going through in life. Building an altar to God, building an altar to God makes our life better. Let me give, again, let me summarize these three excuse me, biblical building blocks that will cause our life to be better. First building block is to allow the Lord to build your life. The second building block, build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, build on the word of God. And the third building block is this, remain connected to wise teachers in your life. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give. Text give to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.